0: Hello and welcome back to Copious Content, the show where we analyze media, including movies, TV shows, video games, and books. Today, we'll be kicking off the month of October with The Shining, a 1980 film that follows a family, including Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, Wendy Torrance, played by Shelley Duvall, and their son Danny, played by Danny Lloyd. Jack is brought on as the winter caretaker of the Overlook Hotel and while The Overlook and Danny may seem ordinary at first, we soon learn the dark secrets of The Overlook and Danny's abilities. This film received an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, was directed by Stanley Kubrick, and is based on the book of the same name, written by Stephen King. To start this movie off, uh, I just want to say about the intro. I think that's one of the greatest film intros in history for me. It's a perfect theme just starts off that eerie feeling that this whole movie delivers right away following the car up the mountains and then progressively showing more snow until they get to the hotel we see those snowy mountains in the distance on the ride up and like i said that music sets the tone the eeriness that spine chilling tone right away and then seeing those first signs of snow is is Really great! I love that intro. Yeah, I really yeah, I'd, I'd have
1: to. Uh, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, you go, <laughs> No, no, no,
2: Okay. Um, I was gonna say that it it sets the tone of like how the it's like a a lot of isolation for the drive up scene.
0: Yeah, that's nice because this whole movie obviously plays with isolation that's kind of the whole obviously the whole point of jack torrance going crazy is that he's always he's so isolated in the overlook you Mm -hmm. know being the caretaker and this whole family is completely separated from the rest of the world basically no one can reach them there's a blizzard they can't get out so that's yeah that's definitely a good uh good job of showing the isolation there
1: yeah I would have to agree with everything I've just said the intro does a very good job at immediately bringing in that eerie vibe and just kind of sets in stone of what's to come later on definitely um
0: we can move on to Jack arriving at the hotel and doing his interview all right um mm-hmm. I like that that's just a note how you know on the screen at different times like this pops up the interview and then it will say later i think it says monday or or tuesday you know they list what's going on and it shows just a black screen with the words occasionally i like how they put those in there Mm -hmm. i think what
2: i think what makes that really interesting too is like they don't give like uh the month and the day they just give the day of the week So it's really like you don't know exactly how much time is going by. Right.
0: And that's a good job, too, showing that. And I feel like that's kind of how the characters would feel, too, is that they're so isolated and probably bored looking at the same halls, regardless that it's a huge hotel. They probably lost track of time pretty quickly just because... You know they're just so isolated from mm-hmm. the rest of the world and don't don't know what's going on anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so getting into the interview a little bit, uh, just learning about Jack. So he's formerly a school teacher, and he's now a writer, uh, and that's part of why he wants this job. He's talking about he wants to be isolated and have months to write the book he's working on. Uh, and they do mention that they can't keep the road clear of snow during the winter so there's there's going to be no getting out i remember i think his name is Stuart olman who's conducting this interview mentions that there's the roads will not be clear so there's no yeah no getting out of there without a snow cat which is basically seems like a car that has snow tracks on it pretty much something close to that yeah uh yeah so then they mentioned the strong isolation for five months. So they have to stay for five months and be completely isolated. And something to point out right away was Olman mentions to Jack the tragedy of 1970. And he talks about Charles Grady, who was the former winter caretaker. And he killed his wife and daughters in the overlook and then killed himself there.
2: Yep. Chopped them up. And
0: then... Yeah, chop them up right, and then um, Jack kind of plays it off pretty lightly and says that won't happen with him, and says that his wife is a horror fan.
2: And she would really find this this interesting?
0: Yeah, that was very interesting. Uh, That's all my notes for that part. So I'll I'll turn it over
1: to you guys. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I feel like not many notes I like that I took for the the. What was it called the interview the but interview, yeah. um i guess the main thing to point out is the sort of like foreshadowing that mr ullman kind of brought under the table when he asked if jack doesn't mind isolation or if his family did either and jack said that oh no he he actually needs the isolation he loves it and his family wouldn't mind it at all but yeah. later on in the movie we see that it's the total opposite exactly yeah hmm yeah
2: uh, I think are we going... ready to oh. oh yeah go ahead i was gonna go say ahead. going back to the part where he like blew it off kind of with yeah. i know he mentioned like oh that's why they didn't tell me about this over there and then because it was really yeah. like just thrown on him but he really just didn't seem to have yeah. any didn't seem
0: to phase him at all which would seem more concerning to me yeah than if he didn't act at all afraid of that or worried about it but he just acted totally normal. Yep. Um. Well, I'm ready to move on to... Yeah. So uh, introducing yeah. Danny, if you guys are. Yeah. So, we see right away... When we see Danny first, he... Already knows... He's talking to his... What he calls an imaginary friend. Or what his parents call an imaginary friend. Named Tony um and he already knows that jack got the job i remember danny's talking in that other voice he uses Mm -hmm. as tony which we know is actually the shining so he, he already knows jack got the job he's saying it out loud before it happens that he's gonna call on the phone in a few minutes and he's gonna tell her he got the job and he's excited and then you know a few minutes later it does happen so that's we get a, right when we meet Danny, we get a glimpse of what his powers can do and, mm-hmm. and what his abilities are. So that's really interesting that they throw you right into that. And then after that, he gets the first vision we see of the blood elevators. The elevator is full of blood that yeah. pours out into the overlook, that first vision. And then the two girls that Ullman just mentioned. Yeah to Jack. We see them for the first time.
2: Yeah, I think that part it definitely is important. Um I, oh, actually in this it's really every scene is there's not really a wasted scene in this movie. No. Every no, is uh, everything's important to later on.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Um I think that's something about kubrick that he definitely doesn't like to waste scenes or waste time in a movie mm-hmm. you know we know he's well known for making people do several takes of one scene mm-hmm. which perfect. in this movie he did a crazy amount of takes for yes several of the scenes to the point that he actually wanted to do that though to make actors kind of the actors in this feel crazy and just be angry because mm-hmm. that's what they're supposed to be in the movie. So he, in this one, he's kind of doing it on purpose to try to get them to be upset, but he's a total perfectionist, Stanley Kubrick. Yes, definitely. So he doesn't like to waste scenes and he will, <laughs> we've known, take as many tries as he wants to on a scene until he thinks it is perfect. Um, Something else, you know, we see Danny, Danny, that he passes out here after he gets these visions and then there's a doctor talking to wendy torrance um, and then she tells a story about jack and how he used to drink and be an alcoholic and that he dislocated danny's shoulder one night and it's an interesting story as well that wendy kind of plays this off as well like, I don't really know how else she would act per se, but it was just interesting that she said something along the lines of, oh, it's something you do all the time with a child. Do you try to pull him off the ground and have him not do something wrong? And then she's like totally playing it off to this doctor that it wasn't that bad. It's like, well, no, he dislocated, a, his, dislocated his son's shoulder when he was two years old or something. It's it's not good. And... Mm-hmm. So it's just weird that she played that off. Like, Jack played off the murder of two kids, and she kind of plays this off that it's not that bad.
2: Yeah, and especially because she starts that conversation, and it doesn't even sound like it's going to go in any direction towards that. No. Yeah, like she said it was an accident, and it's just like a normal child thing. So, like, you assume she's going to say, like, he fell. Right. Or, like, he, yeah, or, like, he got hurt on the, like, playing or something
0: yeah playing and then she any just, of those
2: things she just mentions the shoulder getting dislocated like it was him just tripping yeah. and falling or something
0: yeah cuz yeah that, exactly the way she says it was oh it's just something a a child does it's like yeah no, <laughs> not,
2: <laughs> no not
1: really yeah not really uh, uh yeah and i just want to bring up like uh cuz the part of the book that i've read so far and the movie yeah uh, i think it's pretty cool how Tony is introduced in a totally different way. And in the movie, he's more of a, I guess not like a known character, but like he's like her like t- uh Danny's parents are more aware of Tony because Tony like actually talks to talks to them sort of through Danny, right. yeah you know, like in the and like the little finger movement and this sudden yeah. change of like tone in his voice. Mm-hmm. And I think it was pretty uh, funny that the bathroom scene. In the movie, you know, it kind of took place like towards towards the beginning as an introduction to like his power. Right. But in the book, that bathroom scene actually happens at the overlook, like a while a yeah. while like later. Yeah, the book is definitely
0: Oh yeah. Very different very than different. the movie. And both are great in their own ways. But yeah, they they're over like you know, the kind of the overarching plot is similar, but there's a yeah. lot of key differences in the and, story. And then, I guess, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead,
1: go ahead. Uh, I, I guess, to like, kind of, like, talk about those key differences, yeah. which I guess for for the, for, for the, for the interview, even, yeah. uh, they touch upon, like, how Jack was, like, fired from his job, and that he's trying to f- focus on writing, right. while in the book, that's, like, they like go like way in depth in that, and they kind of explain how that's like part of his like two main reasons is that he has anger issues. Yeah, and then and then to also bring back about how you guys mentioned Jack and Wendy kind of blowing off those like major those major um like like details and things in their in their lives. Right. Uh, Wendy does the same thing to the doctor. She blows off the whole like incident with Jack. But instead of dislocation of, of uh, Danny's shoulder, it was actually breaking his arm from pulling too hard. Right, right. And that's like that's that's even crazier to me how yeah. yeah Wendy would just blow off like oh it's just like he just pulled too hard by accident and yeah I think that whole incident was also a good example of one of the reasons Jack has so many anger issues is because he's like an excessive drinker. But they don't really use that too often until like way later on in the movie.
0: Yeah, it definitely comes in a lot yeah. later. No, you know, not even until they're pretty far into the overlook scenes. They don't use anything about the drinking. Really. Yeah. Cause Just like mention.
1: Cause like I feel like the movie Jack's like first introduction of like anger towards his family due to like isolation and stuff. Yeah. Kind of felt just like, oh, that that kind of felt like how Jack always is, but really it's sort of like a whole t- bunch of things impacting his like mental health and psyche. Definitely,
0: <laughs> there's a lot piling on to Jack Torrance and his life that they kind of get into a lot. Um, another interesting thing, since you mentioned, you know, we were talking about the differences between the book the movie is that Stephen King himself openly hates this movie Mm -hmm. I mean he hates this movie to the point that he made his own version of The Shining that he directed because this movie changed his ideas so much and he has openly criticized it ever since it released in 1980 and he still doesn't like it so I just thought that was interesting that he (laughs) <laughs> just loathes this movie that much that he made his own version of it.
2: And Yeah, and even that's prevalent in the um, Ready Player One film, where a, cult, a pop culture reference is that uh, they had to look into the Shining movie because the clue was that he the creator that hates its own creation. Right. Yeah, that's a
0: good one. I, I forgot about that. But Hey, that's a good movie. We should do Ready Player One that is on good. the show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, continuing on. Uh, so then we see it, you know, flashing on the screen. Closing day. And I was just going to point out, you know, of course, in the intro and here, these are great aerial shots that they got for these landscapes were really well done. I mean, to the point, and I'll talk about this a little more at the end once mm-hmm. we're wrapping up but almost these look like documentary shots like these were professionally and very well done that they got for all the driving up the road and the lake and just the hotel itself were
2: yeah the overlook is they got really good shots of the overlook like with the surrounding definitely. area and from above definitely
0: and following the car up the mountain maze
2: yeah all the maze was very well done
0: um i wanted to point out you know, when we first see Jack, he seems pretty pleasant, just like a normal, everyday type of guy. Talking to Stuart Ullman in an interview, he seems fine. You know, he's just totally regular. They ask him if he wants a coffee. He says, I'd love one. Just a completely normal conversation, like any other interview we would see. But the first time we see him with his family, when they're driving up to the Overlook together, he already seems visibly frustrated driving up the mountain with them
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and just in his tone and his body language
2: everything about him he already seems annoyed yeah that he's with his family it's you could before they even anything even gets said or anything happens in when they first cut to the car them driving up you can just like see the tension yeah because like no one's doing it no one's saying anything uh, he's just sitting there. I don't remember the exact expression on his face, but it was just an instant. I was just like, "Oh, he's not the same as the interview." He no. looks, he looks like upset almost. And then uh, Danny says that he's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: go yeah. Go ahead. Oh well, yeah, I just want to add like after they have uh, finished driving up and like I think it was like the first scene where. Uh, uh, Mr. Ullman uh, offers Jack a tour in the background you can see like all their luggage piled up because he even mentions like oh it's, it's already in here like right here how could they have fit all of that luggage into their tiny little bug <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that's crazy. just
0: A good point there was a huge pile there's no way they could have done that yeah <laughs> definitely an error there yeah there's no there's no u-haul following them so that that doesn't add up (laughs) yeah um something else i was going to mention uh when they were in the car i know jack uh and danny are talking about the donner party which i thought was interesting i mean chris you know it's a true story and there's you know now there's donner pass on the way to lake tahoe in, in california but it's just interesting that and Wendy makes mention of this but it's weird that Jack would have that conversation with his pretty young son that they about the Donner party because you know they f- were freezing to death and had to eat each other which he mentions and he's <laughs> he just makes it a game he's like yep they ate each other up I'm like why are you talking to your Max 10-year-old son about this.
2: Yeah, and even... even As Wendy's you're going
0: story. to a snowy mountain yeah. that you're going to be isolated in for five months.
2: And even even um, Wendy mentions that. And then Danny says yeah. that he saw it on the TV already, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Jack says, and it's okay, he saw it on the yep, TV. he saw
0: it on the TV. Yeah. But I guess that plays into, you know, again, the eeriness and just overall strangeness of this movie, which mm-hmm. does a good job of making you... Feel that this is not normal, because I don't think any normal parent would tell a kid that was that young about that.
1: And, uh, uh, I completely agree with what you just said, but like in the book, they also bring up the Donner Party, like kind of how, kind of the movie, like how, sorry, kind of like a how how they did in the movie, but instead it was just only Wendy thinking about it and worrying about Danny and all this stuff happening in the book. And I thought it was kind of weird because Wendy does bring it up to Jack, but then Jack also just blows it off and tells her to, like, stop thinking like that. Like, you should never, like, talk like that about... and and, and worry about your son in that kind of way. Hmm. We're like, oh, like, what if we get trapped up here and, like, Danny and I like, get and it's, like, starve and die up here. And, like, well, like, that'd be so bad and stuff like that. Yeah. And Jack's like, don't do that. Don't ever think like that. Don't always say that. Right. So I thought it was weird how like it was, like it was like the exact opposite in the movie in the book. How Jack's one way, and then the movie's like, "Oh yeah, hey Danny, you know, like they oh, all yeah. get up there. They got, they got trapped. They they ate each other. Mm. <laughs> right, right. It was just really, was really weird to me.
0: Yeah, definitely, it's pretty strange. Um, and then we we actually get into the Overlook, and and Danny, he's in the games room. I remember he's playing something, you know, in there. Mm -hmm. And then we see the two girls in the doorway of the games room as well. So this is already the second time that he's had a vision of them prior to even getting to the Overlook, and now again, so the visions are immediately thrown at us as the audience, and they are, you know, pretty frequent like we're not very far into this movie and we've already had two visions from danny of yeah. these little girls and then uh moving on to if we're ready to the hedge maze i remember they're describing it that olman is giving them a tour the family a tour and he's describing the hedge maze that it's 13 feet high the overlook was built between 1907 and 1909 And it's interesting, he mentions that it was built on an Indian burial ground, Mm -hmm. and that when they were doing construction, they had to repel Indian attacks. Yeah. So it's just interesting that he mentioned that. And I know there's, you know, some fan-made films and such about The Shining, and they mentioned that maybe that's why the ghosts are there, or why it's haunted, is because it is built on an Indian burial ground, or... It's Maybe that's a secret meaning for Kubrick that this is about all the things that happened to mm-hmm. you know people at that time and that their just land was taken from them. So it's a lot of theories behind that, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that it's mentioned by Olman here.
1: Definitely. And then I guess, oh, oh. there you go. All right. Uh, I guess after they have that little tour outside and stuff, they introduce Dick Hallerman, yep, who Dick is Hallerman, yeah. honestly my favorite character in the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's what I was going to bring up, the introduction of Dick Hallerman, and he immediately is the most friendly character out of any of them, because Jack seems angry. Wendy seems fine, but still kind of off. Mm-hmm. Danny, obviously, he's just a kid and going through his own stuff, and Olman seems fake nice like customer service nice because he's a hotel manager (laughs) and but yeah dick halloran seems like a genuinely friendly and nice person and then they're walking i remember he's talking to danny and wendy showing them everything that's in the kitchen and uh he calls danny doc and wendy asks him she goes how do you know that we call him doc i've never called him that in front of you So how did you know that? And he says, well, he looks like a doc, doesn't he? And so it kind of leads you to believe he has, which we, you know, they have a whole conversation about, but it kind of shows that, oh, he has some form of The Shining as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wendy never said doc in front of him, but he just knew. And then we see him ask about ice cream, ask about, do you want some ice cream doc? But not out loud. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) yeah and then i guess to to go back to the tour when um mr ullman is saying like goodbye to everyone like well not, not like everyone but like the workers and they say like i'll have a good winter mr ullman and he right. kind of responds with, with like a happy upbeat attitude yeah even though he had even though he gives off that like just like hotel manager vibe mm-hmm. in the book it's they do, or not Not they, but uh Stephen King does a good job at, at showing, like, how he's just a, like, a really fake person. And his actual attitude is, like, really rude and just kind of, like, right. just negative because he responds with, I doubt, I, I will have a good winner. And then, yeah. like, not like a, oh, you 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 have one too or anything like that. He just, flat out just says, I doubt it. And then he just walks off and continues yeah. the tour.
0: Because I remember
1: like, in the yeah.
0: book that jack torrance doesn't like coleman i remember he they mentioned that that he doesn't like him and thinks he is a fake person he doesn't doesn't really like him at all but in the movie they seem like they're fine
1: yeah like jack he like like the first it is as is the actual interview obviously like they don't can't like describe the drive up or anything right he like instantly he's like Jack Torrance hates this guy. Like, yeah. Like, he hates his smile and, 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 like, everything about him. Yeah. Then the movie just didn't really go into that too often. No,
0: not mm-hmm. at all. Um, I think there was a mention too that, that Wendy says to Dick Haller, and she says something about the overlook. She goes, Oh, just like a ghost ship, which is funny. Like, there's those subtle mentions of, this place, like Olman saying that it's built on in an Indian burial ground. She says, "Oh, just like a ghost ship." Yeah, this is just like these little how the prince thrown in
2: went crazy yeah. and killed the
0: family. Right. There's all these things that it's like red flags everywhere.
2: Yeah, it's barely <laughs> it's alluding ignored. to it being uh, like cursed.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then Halloran and Danny's conversation of about the shining when they're together alone uh, and that's when halloran tells danny that the power it's called the shining and then he tells danny that the overlook can shine and tells him to that things can leave traces behind and people who shine can see them and that bad things happen in the overlook which is when we hear about danny asking halloran about room 237 he says what about room 237 and all he says is stay out of there there's nothing in it but stay out anyway there's nothing for you in there yeah so that's another subtle hint we immediately know things have happened here that are bad and people who shine can see those things and whatever is in room 237 should not be even trifled with
1: yeah yeah and i guess uh to bring up the room 237 again uh in the book it was actually room 217 right which i'm not like i i actually i didn't actually look into like why stanley kubrick changed the the room number but i feel like it could be something important to him um there's a few
0: theories i mean you know there's the outlandish fan theories i've watched a documentary about The Shining, the actual film version of The Shining that is actually called Room 237. So, if there are any uh, big Shining fans out there, I'd recommend watching that. But it's a lot of fan theories. Like, it's take the most outlandish theories that you could think of, and that's pretty much what it is. But it's a fun watch, regardless. So, you know, one of the theories in there is that they think that Kubrick faked the moon landing. And the moon is 237,000 miles from Earth. And then he has Danny wear an Apollo 11 shirt. So when he goes into that room, so they think that's him admitting he faked the moon landing. And he filmed 2001 A Space Odyssey. So he had the technology. But the more normal theory is that the actual hotel they filmed this at had a room 217. But didn't have a room two three seven, so they asked Kubrick to change it because they thought no one would want to stay in room two seventeen anymore. And they were like, Well, we don't have a room two three seven, so he changed it to that instead.
2: Yeah, it seems I like more
0: probable. I
2: was about version. to say about to mention that too. I had seen that before. Yeah. They Yeah. Yeah, it was a two seventeen in the actual hotel and then he was asked to like change it if people because people might have been scared or something after the movie, right? But then looking into it, I saw that at that hotel, that actual hotel, uh, two seventeen was that has been the most requested room number since yep. the movie came out.
0: Yep, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's just funny that exact opposite of what they thought would would happen.
2: Yeah, if anything, it would have been better if they or I guess. It's mostly yeah. the book readers that are mostly the to book remember.
0: Are looking for 217, yeah.
2: Um,
1: yeah that, uh, that that first theory about old moon landing thing was kind of yeah, kind of weird. <laughs>
0: pretty uh crazy, but yeah, if you want more theories like that, uh, go watch Room 237, the documentary. It's some pretty interesting ones in
1: there. Um so let
0: yeah, me cut to one month later, yep. we get to the iconic big wheel scenes, to which I love how they're filmed. I mean, it's it's great. And, and that's something else this movie does a great job with, is you know, putting you in those big wheel scenes and these hallway scenes. It makes it feel compacted and tight. Like, you're trapped. Like, there's these small hallways, and you have nowhere to go, and you don't know where they're going to lead you. It really brings you into this movie and gives you that unsettling feeling of, I don't know where I am. I am mm-hmm. confined. And just everything, like, when they're in the maze, you feel the same thing. It's the same theory of tight hallway, confinement, don't know where we're going, big hotel, don't know where we're going, tight hallways, random quick turns. Like it was just really yeah. like the way they shot big those scenes on the I'm... big wheel
2: exactly yeah and i think even now the most prevalent big but empty um creepy closed hallway is the back rooms right you could definitely see how stuff like like that stuff like this isn't just in the shining or it mm-hmm. can just be found on like the internet and reddit <laughs> right where it's just exactly. nowadays this stuff still is prevalent, but not. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then Jack says that it. F- he's talking about the overlook and he said it felt like he'd been there before, like he knew what would be around every corner. And that's interesting and something that is stated later in the movie. But it's just interesting that he mentions that here. And then we get that eerie music coming back for the hedge maze, which is a great transition of Jack staring at the hedge maze model, while Danny and Wendy are actually in the maze, and they have that great overhead shot.
2: Yeah,
1: that was a really cool shot, and uh, like the that I liked probably throughout the entire show, like. So I'm not sure. movie even though, even though like the beginning shots were were really pretty and all that, with I mm-hmm. believe the the, the it, it was a helicopter, right? It Getting was those a helicopter. Shots. Yeah, I I do think that the hedge maze with Jack looking over while Wendy and um Danny were walking through is probably the coolest part. Definitely, yeah. For 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 those like big like cool right. cinematic type views. Yeah,
0: yeah, I believe that that was a transition between the actual hedge maze of Danny and Wendy walking inside of it and also a model that they built. When they're going overhead, they built a model of it for the overhead part and put little mannequins or little like little statues of Danny and Wendy in it. And that's how they transitioned to do that shot.
1: Oh, really? That's, that's yeah, really cool.
0: that's what I was reading about. Very cool. But all the other uh, landscape shots are, are out with a helicopter. You're correct. Um, Just to mention, we when we see those shots following the big wheel or being in front of Daniel on his big wheel, to mention the shining carpet, that pattern, I, I mean, you show any shining fan, at least film, the film version of it, you show them a picture of that carpet, and everyone immediately knows what it's from, which is crazy that there's something that simple as a carpet design, yet everyone will know what it is if they've seen this movie.
1: Yeah, I think the carpet design is really cool, but also the shots of him actually riding to the hotel right. looks very fun and enjoyable. Yeah. But I just wanted to mention that. Just watching, I was like, that looks like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah
2: definitely uh
0: and then yeah he he passes by room 237 on his big wheel and he tries to open the door
2: but it's but it's locked
0: locked this time so that's yeah for now that's good for now it's good for now uh something i wanted to point out is that we often see danny and wendy playing you know they're in the hedge maze they're having fun they're smiling they're laughing or he's on his big wheel riding around and you know they're exploring the hotel they're doing things together having fun you know making the best of this getting outside every time we see jack he's always alone he's always isolated and he usually stays in one room he's usually in that big room that he's writing in where his typewriter is that's usually where we see him. So that's just interesting. They're already showing he's purposefully trying to be isolated and do nothing while Wendy and Danny are still trying to have fun getting hmm. outside before the storm hits and, and still even exploring the hotel and doing things together.
1: Yes, yeah. Like, already,
0: okay, Already okay. there. No, I'm finished.
1: You're good. Oh uh, yeah. But like uh, the way that, that they did it too, with Jack's sleep's sleep schedule, also, was kind of like another another way of isolating himself since he was working so much, or I guess not really working because he was more thinking, and then right. working. Where then his his only time to be to be with his family was almost never actually. Yeah, he was either sleeping, working, or right roaming exactly. around the hotel. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and then we hear on the it's the news or the radio. I can't remember, but. I know the phone lines are down, and they said it's the worst storm in years. So of course, of course, this family—the first time they ever come to the Overlook and take over as the winter caretakers—phone lines go down, and it's the worst storm that's that's happened there in years. It's just another not lucky coincidence for them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, and then we get another. Another vision, Danny seeing the girls again, and they're now talking to him. That famous line of, come play with us, Danny, forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. But this is the first time that it cuts from them being alive and showing them dead with the axe in front of them and blood everywhere. Yeah. So that's the third time. We don't see them dead until this third vision of the girls.
1: Yeah, we don't but uh um, did yeah. did we mention the arcade scene with the girls too
0: yeah the, the game yeah. room yeah, yeah, yeah the game I mean. room The game room
1: yeah and I, is... I just wanted to... oh my god yeah you're good, you're uh, good. I just wanted to say that that first scene like when I was re- re-watching this movie to put notes in de- and stuff for it um I completely forgot that I was watching a horror movie right and that it, it honestly gave me chills and scared me just. Is the fact yeah. that like this movie is, does so, such a good job at putting in music and, or even sounds oh, in the yeah. background that make it just give that eerie and like unnerving feeling.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I uh, think that's as, movies, as movies go for feeling eerie and just making you invested and in feeling trapped with the characters, this is one of the best. I mean, oh, I have yeah. watched this numerous times I watch it every October for years now, <laughs> and I still get chills watching this movie because it is done so well. Yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, yeah. it does a really
1: good job doing that. Yeah,
0: something that's interesting <laughs> that's kind of funny. I don't, I mean, I don't see why it would be on purpose, but maybe it was. Who knows what Kubrick does? But uh. It seems more like a mistake to me, but the TV that Danny and Wendy are always watching, it's not plugged into anything. (laughs) Like, if you look, there's no cord plugged in anywhere, so I don't know how the power would be on. (laughs) It's just a little note of maybe a mess up, but it doesn't seem like Kubrick being such a perfectionist, that would be weird. So maybe there's some reason behind that having no plug. I don't know something I noticed.
1: <laughs> those, I,
0: those people, I did not actually. notice that.
1: So that is... I yeah, mean, no, I didn't get yeah, into that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just somebody who's going to reshoot scenes like 150 times. You'd think they would notice a plug not be in there. So, kind of strange. Um, something else that was interesting that I hadn't noticed watching this before is that Jack mimics the line that the two girls say in the hallway he says forever and ever and ever when he's talking to danny after we hear it the first time and then danny asked jack if he'd ever hurt him or wendy which again obviously was another vision and future moment that danny has already seen like we know he can do that he already saw that jack got the job before he ever called so we we get another uh premonition here from danny
1: yeah and that that whole scene where jack starts to starts to talk with danny was very creepy because jack kind of just sits up from like not sleeping but just lying down yeah and he just doesn't talk and when he finally does it like he's like come here danny like, yeah. I not want to talk to you or something like that. It's just very creepy. The okay. acting is phenomenal from Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, all, all, about, all throughout this movie is just amazing. Oh, it's yeah. just so unsettling. Yeah. You did a really, really good job in this one.
0: Uh, and then we get to room 237 a second time. Yeah. But the key is in the door now, and it's unlocked. Yep. So... It's like well who, who did that because <laughs> jack's been in his room or writing all day so definitely what's going on with that own. one <laughs> yeah definitely wasn't wendy she's not unlocking random doors so yeah somebody opened that uh <laughs> don't know who so that's interesting and of course danny goes in because why wouldn't he yeah he's a kid um he's a kid and um, so that's and then he goes in, and the Jack, concurrently, he tells Wendy that he had a dream that he killed Wendy, yeah. Danny, and he's screaming. So it's, that's, it's like. In the book, I know they mentioned that. Jack, like Halloran, can test people to see if they have the shining. Yeah, and I remember in the book he says that wendy has a little bit that most mothers do and that yeah. danny is super strong with it but his dad he says there's something else in your dad something deep down that's evil like not the shining but just something horrible in him that's there
1: but i believe jack hallerman like he sensed that but then he didn't actually tell danny that he just said that his dad has nothing
0: yeah,
1: but to go back to yeah, yeah. But to go back to you, uh, wondering like who opened up the door. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's actually uh it's talked about how Danny actually like I think he grabbed the key, right, the, and then yes. he and then he was like, oh, but the key was already in his pocket. So then his like, his like interest piqued him, and he went into the door. Right.
0: Right. Uh,
1: okay. Then the movie was like he turned That's around and there. it was open yeah. with the key already in the door and yeah yeah that was probably just one of those moments of the overlook evil yeah. trying yeah. to draw him
0: yeah definitely um yeah and then we get <laughs> Jack going to investigate because Danny comes out and he's got the purple finger marks on his neck Mm -hmm. from whatever is in room 237 yeah and so jack goes to check that out and jack here the way i see it he's covering for the overlook being evil like obviously he's kind of following its whim its rules what it wants him to do so he says there's nothing in there there's nothing in when room two three seven. <laughs> it's like we obviously saw him. He knows something's in there. Yeah, he saw it. Like we saw what Jack saw. He knows something is there, but he lies to Wendy and says there's nothing. And maybe he, maybe Danny did it to himself, and so is he's covering for the Overlook Hotel and doesn't say the truth
2: about it, which but, just makes uh, it in the end worse for Jack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But to kind of go back to uh, Danny actually going into the room and, like, probably you're thinking, like, why would he go in there if he was told not to go in there? Is, I, I don't know if they actually said it in the movie, but Dick Hallerman, 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 Hallerman. Um, Hallerman. Hallerman, he actually told Danny in the book that he believes that these visions or things that he sees in the hotel can't actually hurt him if he right. just looks away and then looks back they'll be gone. And they oh, yeah. and they do a, a few examples leading up to this. Like uh D- Danny sees blood on on the wall, but he closes his eyes and then opens it, o- opens it again and then he sees that it's gone. Right. But I'll see in the movie, I don't, I don't think, think they Don't think Dick they, Dick
0: doesn't Dick Halloran doesn't tell Danny.
1: Yeah. But he does. He Danny
0: still does it like when he sees the girls in the hallway.
1: Yeah, he closes and his eyes, flashing eye.
0: between dead and alive. He closes, he puts his hands over his eyes, and he says, "It's not real, it's not real." And then he opens them, and they are gone. So Halloran doesn't tell Danny, but he still does that.
1: Yeah, so I I don't think it was actually mentioned like in the movie, but I no. feel like that's a pretty important part of why like Danny would actually go into room two thirty seven, yeah. right? Because he thinks what's in there i want to know it can't actually hurt me yeah it's definitely
2: just another book detail that got left out of the movie version yeah yeah
0: and then obviously we find out that the things in the overlook and especially room 237
2: can hurt yes it
0: can (laughs) (laughs) because we obviously find that out very fast Um,
1: uh i actually would would like like to see like what happened and room two,
2: 237 with yeah David. yeah because we see what happens to Jack. yeah to jack We don't know what happened to danny the guess is that it got out of the bathtub and strangled him. i mean yeah but...
0: something very similar <laughs> yeah strangled him um and then we this is the first time that we see red rum i remember the red rum Yeah, you know, flashes on the screen, Mm -hmm. so we see that, and then we cut to Halloran calling the Overlook. You know, obviously we know Halloran has the Shining as well, and Mm -hmm. he knows something is wrong there. So he's calling, and again, a reason that he's the most wholesome character in this movie. He cares. He's calling and trying to figure out what's going on. It's kind of nice to
2: see that he actually
0: cares about this family
2: he's the and k- then yeah go ahead i was gonna say he's the kind of guy that i would like talk to you at the bus stop <laughs>
0: definitely Whereas, yeah like, it the, seems like a nice guy
2: the hotel manager is like not that kind of guy
0: no definitely, he's not. all like, he doesn't care what
2: you guys said before the customer service yeah exactly. friendly because he got to be in that moment right because he gets paid to be
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that's it um yeah and then we see jack talking to one of the ghosts he talks to delbert grady who is the one who killed his daughters as yes. the caretaker before so he's talking to grady who we know killed himself so that's
2: and confusing like how later. would he be
0: talking to him yeah and he mentions that he's and like he even gets confused don't i that. know you yeah. yeah yeah and then what i was mentioning before how jack torrent says that he's felt like he's always been here and knows every corner grady tells him in the bathroom he says no sir you've always been the
2: caretaker here yeah that's interesting
1: yeah but i just want to mention like the like whole grady scene was in the ballroom which i think Mm right when jack talks to lloyd the i think like Yeah. yeah 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 the bartender lloyd I think it was like a pretty cool scene with the acting, everything like that. Yeah. And then when Grady is first introduced, we don't know it's Grady, mm-hmm. but we, but like Jack's gets stuff spilled on him, like yeah. the drink. And I yeah. thought it was very funny how Grady's like, Oh, here, let's go to the bathroom and let's wash you off. And Jack says like, okay, yeah, let's go. And then he pats him on the back. But all Jack was doing was wiping his, his hand off on mm-hmm. Grady's back, uh, of his shirt really? and I, I thought that was so funny when i watched it yeah mm-hmm. and i don't know i just totally yeah he does really like... his uh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: off on him. i think another thing and... oh continue. yeah continue no you oh right. and
1: then i was gonna um... say oh. go. right. i was just gonna say um in the, in the actual bathroom when re-watching that scene i forgot the like excessive use of the n-word i had i had, yeah. like no recollection of that seen ever yeah, had they,
2: they use it quite quite a bit <laughs> yes
1: yeah, it, it kind of shocked me honestly like, yeah. oh. um,
2: what i was gonna say was um about lloyd the bartender and um how jack always says that he feels like he's been here um mm-hmm. when he walks in he starts talking to the bartender like he's been, gone there every night for the past 10 years yeah
0: yeah yeah it does uh, um and then another uh thing about that is that i just know that we also see they mention here grady and jack he says danny has called halloran like he reached out to him through the shining which shows how strong danny is that he can call Halloran all the way. Halloran, I believe he's in Florida. Yeah. And yeah. And Danny's in Colorado. Yeah. So. And
2: Danny's a kid.
0: And he's a kid. So just imagine how strong he he would be.
2: And also, I don't know if this makes sense, When I'm, but Halloran didn't call back. So like, or give a sign back to Danny, right? Well, not that they, not that they show, show, but it, he
0: calls the overlook or he calls the sheriff
2: yeah he's yeah trying. yeah, but like he doesn't he's give... trying to reach the overlook but can't he doesn't with a phone but he's not able to like communicate with danny from florida right
0: i think in the book they say that he can but they don't like spend as much time on it in this okay but there's a whole scene in the book where that that conversation between halloran And Danny is much more drawn out that they have about The Shining. Yeah. yeah. And they're talking and he says, he tells Danny in that scene earlier, he tells him, if anything goes wrong, you reach out to me with The Shining. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tells him, let's practice right now. And I remember Danny does it and Halloran's nose starts uh, bleeding in that scene that they're just practicing to see if it would work. And like that kind of tells you, like he mentions it, He's like, the strongest shine I've ever felt is in Danny. And they talk about that, and so Halloran kind of tells him to do it. He doesn't tell him to do it in the movie though; he just does it
2: mm-hmm.
0: in that. But uh, I think Halloran can do it. Like he talked to him mm-hmm. in the uh, in the uh, storage room yeah. for all the food, mm-hmm. so I know he can. But maybe he. Can't do it from that far away like Danny can, because yeah. in the book, like I said, they mention how strong Danny, Danny is, is with the Shining. Yeah,
2: that's essentially what I was going for. What going yeah, to was that so. is Danny stronger? Like he can commute. Yeah. he can um reach Halloran, but he, Halloran can't. I reach believe
0: back. so. Yeah, I don't think Halloran can reach that far.
1: Yeah, but to to kind of go back to like that, like like the scene how in the movie uh Holler and asks danny if he wants to get ice cream in, and that's when he talks about the shining Yeah. in the book Holler and asks danny to help him bring out his luggage and right. then the two actually get in get into his car and talk yep. there Yep. which well, when i read that part i was like that's really weird that like, yeah. don't, like don't ever do that and like wendy was actually watching them like yeah. through the window of the overlook right but like also also bring back to you were talking about how his nose started bleeding. Mm-hmm. That was because when they're like talking using the Shining, Halloran asks Danny to punch him. Mm-hmm. And Danny, like, obviously not knowing his like true strength or whatever. Right. Um, he punches him, but then he actually holds back, which mm-hmm. if, if Danny didn't hold back, he would have actually really hurt Halloran. Yeah. But then that also kind of brings into like how Danny is pretty strong and he actually is right not really knowing his true strength yet.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so that was a pretty cool part too.
0: Yeah. Um so and then uh moving on a little bit, we see <laughs> we see Wendy going through Jack's pages of book that he's supposedly been writing this whole time. And we get the iconic all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy typed in. Mm-hmm various ways and different spacing and all this stuff and just an interesting bit about that is that many of those pages were I mean they're all hand typed but many of them were done by Kubrick's assistant or Kubrick himself you know in a lot of behind the scenes videos you see Kubrick with a typewriter and he actually typed a lot of those pages himself or had his assistant do it so those were all hand done for the movie and they had to you know do all of those and it took a while but again that's the perfectionist of stanley kubrick
1: that sounds horrible
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's yeah but it has to be perfect
0: yep it has to be perfect um are we ready to go to the mm-hmm. walking up the stairs yeah wendy oh yeah that's oh, yeah. kind of what i had my next note so yeah when they're walking up which that's a very great great shot of just drawn out and just feeling the tension between the two characters and the fear that is in wendy and the anger that jack has both actors did a great great job in this scene um <laughs> something i hadn't noticed before but it's funny when you see the bat hit jack's head you can see before it cuts away to him falling you see the bat bends a little bit (laughs) which i never saw before so they didn't cut away quite quick enough from that to see it bending um but that's probably my my favorite sequence in the movie is probably that stairs scene
2: uh, what this yeah. scene really reminds me, and then me.
0: locking Jack in the pantry, this oh, yeah. is my other
2: favorite. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, what this scene really reminds me of, and probably you too, Miles, is um the Simpsons Trios of Horror segment where they do The Shining. Um, I don't know if you've seen that before, Matthew. I have not seen it. Yeah, they do. It is really good. they make, like, parodies <laughs> and, and stuff. So oh, they did, like, a shining yeah. parody for a segment in a Treehouse of Horrors oh. episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and they did the did scene with Homer and Marge. Oh,
2: yeah. I'll have to uh,
0: look
1: into that. Yeah, but I was actually going to mention that, too, Kieran, about how when Jack says, give me the bat, Wendy, give me the bat, yeah, Homer, he, does a, Homer does does the same shit. sort of thing. Like, give me the bat, 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 bat. yeah. yeah. Whoop. Yeah, like, starts, starts, like making noises and stuff, and
2: because they still add like the comedic effect that The Simpsons adds, to all their yeah. horror. It's like they're horror, but in like a Simpsons way. So they're kind of right. they're more like comedy.
0: Well, I'll definitely have to. Uh, yeah, it's it's a watch, fun that. watch Yeah,
2: and groundskeeper Willie is um Dick Halloran, like essentially that <laughs> character. Oh, nice. And he's That's when funny. he's talking to Bart earlier in that segment of the episode, he says like he mentions how he has the the shin and then um mm. Bart says don't you mean the shine and then he's like do you want to get sued <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's pretty funny so it's just the shining yeah. but the shin yeah and i got you yeah
0: I, I like those um the uh animated you know spoofs on movies mm-hmm. like i know family guy did it with star wars and all that that's, that's pretty funny i'll have to check that one out yeah it's a good one um So, yeah, and then we see uh, Jack in the Pantry. I mean, that's just, that's another great scene and another great bit of acting by Jack Nicholson. I mean, that's honestly just phenomenal and just really in that scene, he's just carrying it. I mean, not taking away from Shelley Duvall. She was great in this movie, but that was just, when he's locked in the pantry, he just... Totally, like, that's the time he creeps me out the most mm-hmm. in this movie, when he's locked in there. Definitely, yeah. And when he's just talking to Wendy through the door, and he's saying, I'll never forget that. Go check it out. Why don't you go check out the snow cat and the radio? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the way he delivers those lines.
2: Yeah, it's great camera angles. Well.
0: Yeah, the camera angle is yeah. actually a very interesting thing. Uh, Kubrick actually kind of figured that camera angle out on his own he's a very hands director
2: Mm -hmm.
0: uh because he actually is shown in uh making of the shining which was actually filmed by his daughter um vivian kubrick there's a scene showing stanley kubrick lying on the ground with not an actual camera but kind of like a, basically like i guess maybe like a telescope or like something that he could use to see what a shot would look like before bringing a camera down there Mm -hmm. and it shows him lying on the ground looking up at jack nicholson trying to figure out that scene and how he wanted to shoot it and then i think he actually may have filmed that one himself it showed him with the camera lying on the ground so he's a pretty hands-on director no doubt
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember you sent us that link, so I watched it, and I do remember like seeing, him actually lying on the ground, like, like just like holding the camera under Jack Nicholson while he was, like, has like his hands on the door and all that, very cool right. stuff to see. But yeah, that that scene was definitely my favorite Jack Nicholson like, like mm-hmm. performance. Yeah, it was great. Like, the stair and the pantry was just two of the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, uh, just, uh, you know, using the – this movie, just using the hallways, the hedge maze, the small rooms, the stairway, uh, being locked in the pantry, and just all that, again, makes makes the viewer feel trapped here and feel – find which is which is really good i like all that
2: and of course the whole thing of the giant magnificent hotel Mm -hmm. and there's three people (laughs) yeah so even if there weren't evil like spirits and like it was like it's essentially cursed right uh people would definitely go a little crazy definitely really uncomfortable oh yeah no, like, no. I would not even find myself walking around. Like, I would not be roaming the hallways. No. No, no Danny's definitely, definitely a brave kid. Definitely
0: not alone.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. <Yeah.
0: laughs> um... it's just...
2: Even if you don't believe in that stuff, it's still creepy.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, Something that's interesting, going into the hedge maze chase scene with Jack and Danny, Um, it, it just shows... You know, we see it kind of throughout a little bit, but it just shows how uh, how smart of a kid Danny actually is by covering his footprints, you know, stepping mm-hmm. in the exact spot that he prior had done and then covering the new ones up with snow so Jack got lost in the maze and didn't know where he went. As just shows how smart Danny is as yeah. a kid. And doesn't always need to rely on his powers to get him out of things he's actually pretty intelligent on his own
2: yeah because most kids probably would not think of doing that
0: no definitely not um but yeah my next note is on the very end the photo that we see at the end of the movie so mm-hmm. if you guys have other things go ahead
1: uh i guess when the coward died that was a very sad moment oh, yeah Oh, but it yeah. kind of, to me, it kind of felt like a thing. He was kind of introduced and just immediately killed. <laughs>
2: and they yeah. kept cutting to, like, his, ju- his like, huge journey. Oh, no, yeah, like yeah. He got on a pl- yeah. He went on a plane. He had to yeah. contact someone to get him a snowcat out of, like, yeah. their own inconvenience. But it's yeah. just, like, if he wasn't such a nice person, they probably wouldn't have given him a snowcat. He, no, which also he may so. be, still be alive but yeah um that's uh interesting though in the book that
0: king wrote Halloran and lives through this
1: oh really yeah i i've not gotten that part yet oh, so. sorry about that <laughs> no i mean no, I've, seen, I've seen <laughs>
2: that before i've seen a lot of stuff with how he yeah. dies in this but then he lives in the yeah. book yeah yeah well
1: my bad. No, well you'll still
0: find out why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know there are
1: plenty of differences between the movie and the book that it could be like the exact same story, but like there's still so many other things right. that could oh, impact yeah. it. There's so it doesn't matter.
2: Like how most books with movie adaptations are. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um it's interesting, uh with those differences and just how they're living. But it, it's cool. How, you know, when you normally think of a horror movie, or at least for me, you think, oh, a bunch of people are going to die. Like, say we'll take Halloween or Friday the 13th. I know these. this is not a slasher movie, but you think, oh, a bunch of people die and there, a lot of people are killed and that's why it's scary. But this movie, one person dies. We see one person die. It's Dick Halloran. I mean, I know we see the vision, like the cut of the girls dead, but we don't see them killed. It's mentioned and their bodies are shown. That's it. But in this yeah. movie, one person dies. But it's one of the most terrifying films there is. Like, it's not always about how many people are killed. Well, like, it's Jack just the eeriness it, of this. I guess. Well, Jack, but not I guess, yeah. killed. We don't really like, <laughs> kind of like off
2: screen. Yeah,
1: yeah. Really we is. see one shot of him like like frozen frozen and he's not um, killed by anybody. yeah
2: no yeah it's just, just by the elements
0: yeah that's it like one person is killed by jack and that's it i mean that's the one murder that we that we see mm-hmm. on screen
1: yeah because i remember oh sorry, no you're i'm good but i remember like when when i first watched this movie my dad said that this that this horror movie isn't was like, cause was like i was, like 12-ish like at a time Right. So, he said, like, this this isn't, like, a slasher, like, oh, it's, like, people are dying. This is more, like, actually messing with your mind and making you, yeah. like, feel scared. Right. So, it was definitely a different vibe from, like, the normal type of slasher horror right. Right. scene that was out at that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What else do you guys got?
1: Um, Um. I don't know. I, not Not much. I just... Yeah. Wrote down that's the scene with the mirror in the in the red rum and Wendy finally realizing what it means, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. It,
0: murder backwards. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then obviously the door scene with the yeah. Jack cutting it down. Right. Saying, right. Here's Johnny. Definitely Here's a punk Johnny. Punk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a mention to like a older movie.
0: It's a. Uh, I think it's the Johnny carson show i think it's a late night talk show okay, and that was yeah. his intro he would come out and say here's johnny and yeah. apparently that line was supposed to be added by jack nicholson
2: <laughs> is what i and here's agreed. johnny is probably one of the yeah. most well-known
0: oh yeah i mean everybody knows it yeah
2: even if you've never seen it before yeah you've probably you probably know heard what it
0: before. that is yeah um the last thing I had about the actual movie, I have some notes about the filming after, but uh, the last thing about the actual movie was the the photo we see at the very end, mm-hmm. the Fourth of July, nineteen twenty one at the Overlook yeah. party, and that Jack Nicholson's character, you know, Jack Torrance, is standing right in the middle yeah. of that photo at the party, mm-hmm. which just goes back to him saying, "I felt like I've always been here," and then Grady tells him, "You." been the caretaker yeah and then he's in a photo from 1921 at the overlook so it's like it's very confusing Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what it means but it's like oh so you really have always always been here my theory that i've heard that i believe the most is that like with the overlook there's some sort of reincarnation of jack torrance that always comes back the overlook hotel mm. throughout time
2: uh, That's yeah. how I <laughs> it. That makes sense
1: yeah yeah cuz i was always confused ab- about the ending like even re- rewatching it now i still right. don't understand it completely right
0: um yeah so if we're all set with the actual film i have some just kind of behind the scenes type stuff to
2: talk about you're all yeah. set. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead for the behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. So the helicopter photography and the credits, I saw that that was McGillivray Freeman Films. Uh they're mostly a company that makes documentaries. Uh apparently I was looking up their website, they're actually very well-known documentary company and I think they've been nominated for and won a lot of awards. That's usually what they do. So it's interesting that they were brought in for a horror film, Yeah, but I guess that just shows you how much Kubrick cared about those exterior shots. He wanted it done right. So he hired a documentary helicopter filming company to do this. And they
2: were done right. (laughs) Oh, definitely. They're they're great.
0: Um, So then for the overlook, the exterior shots were filmed at the Timberline Lodge at mount hood national forest in oregon and then i looked at that hotel website and they have a fright night every october and it's like a package deal so you get a room and some other things that's a halloween celebration and the deal ends the night with a viewing of the shining at the hotel that it was filmed at oh, that's cool that is great yeah I would definitely go to that if I ever get a chance'll I'll try to do that in um, another note Kubrick sent scouts all over the country to photograph American hotels to use as a reference for building the interior of the overlook because they constructed that on a uh, on a stage you know, a sound stage at a studio yeah it was just the yeah. exterior shots were done at the timberline lodge but the mm-hmm. interior they, they completely built it so they, he sent scouts all over to take photographs again attention to detail from danley kubrick is crazy yeah uh definitely. another note on, on that is the stairs scene took 35 to 45 takes to complete and it wasn't even the most in the movie i think the scene the scene with um halloran and danny talking about the shining i want to say the number was somewhere around 150 takes for that
1: oh my gosh
0: of a close-up on scatman Carruthers, the actor who played dick halloran um yeah definitely yeah, that yeah, you yeah that is so crazy
2: cool.
0: yeah it was over 100 takes not sure the exact number, but I know it was over 100 takes to film that scene with Daniel Halloran talking about The Shining. That's um, crazy. And then here's one. The Shining was shot in the same film studio that was used for The Empire Strikes Back and much of the fake snow was used for Hoth and The Overlook. So they <laughs> used that for both. That's cool. Um, This film actually held up shooting on the Empire Strikes Back, because since Kubrick was such a perfectionist, this film was way behind schedule, so it held up the Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Um, This was one of the first films to use Steadicam, which is just a mounted camera. That was what they used for the big wheel scenes. Following or leading Danny down the hallways. Oh, yeah, Steadicam hadn't really been used before, but Stanley Kubrick actually found the creator of the Steadicam system and hired him to come on to this. So again, Kubrick wanting things to be done right, hiring a documentary
2: hiring camera
0: film of camera. to, yeah, and then hiring the creator of a camera method and basically making it mainstream, and then for the axe scene of Jack breaking down the door, they destroyed 60 doors in filming that scene.
2: (laughs) Sounds tiring.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's so much fun, though. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, well, those were all my all
1: my notes. I guess to kind of go back to, like, uh, Kubrick using the city camera, in the maze, when Jack was, like, hobbling through and, like, kind of, like, just wandering and really just like have like showing that feeling of being lost the camera was like following him but it kind of acted like as if a human was following jack through the maze so like, it it was also hobbling and walking like you're looking through the eyes of somebody behind jack and i thought it was was pretty cool how you'd have certain like steady cameras and then he'd have the shaky like someone's actually following him like but, like, yeah. recording, like yeah. what he's doing.
0: Yeah, they did a really, really good job. Uh,
2: well Anything else from um, either of you? Well, looking at the reviews, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Rotten Tomatoes yeah. reviews, 82%. Yeah. Um, How would you say that score is in your mind?
0: I would say, for me, it should be higher. Mm-hmm. I, I think an 82 is a little... Low for this movie, just based on, I mean, the acting skill by, of course, Jack Nicholson. Nobody, I don't think, could have done a better job than he did. Yeah. Uh, but Shelley Duvall did great. Uh, she was believably terrified in this movie. Uh, Danny Lloyd as a child actor. Great job by him. Great job. <laughs> um, and Carruthers just being a totally believable type of hero character Mm -hmm. and someone you someone that we all said we liked and you grew close to even though he's not in it very much he's just a super likable character and actor he seems genuinely nice so you know based on that and based on just the like perfection of Kubrick's directing which at sometimes probably got a little frustrating for the actors Mm -hmm. but I think the yeah. final product makes it pretty worth it here. Um I, I think it deserves. For those reasons, it, it should be higher than an eighty two. Yeah. I would probably give it in the, you know, 90, 90s, somewhere. 90s
1: range, mm-hmm. somewhere in there for me. Yeah, same. I'd probably give like a ninety about.
2: Which of course it's everything's different for a lot of people. Um if you don't yeah. like psychological horrors then you'd probably rate this like a 20 percent <laughs> yeah probably but yeah, i guess if you're more of a slasher
0: mm-hmm. type person then you know this this probably isn't for you but for me i prefer uh prefer a psychological horror to a slasher movie so i'd have to go with that <laughs> i like them both
2: <laughs>
1: well, yeah they're i both. mean they're, both
0: they're definitely oh yeah, yeah 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 Both great i like both but I prefer the psychological stuff more. I think it's when, more scary. Yeah, I'll like when you're actually
1: trying to find a a like actual scary horror movie, yeah. The psychological area is yeah. definitely yeah. a big and yeah. psychological with like
2: a twist of um like not ghosts, but like paranormal almost. Yeah, like, it's spirits, paranormal. evil spirits. Yeah. There's definitely a yeah. twist of that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I feel like that's usually scary like slashers I could just put those on. They don't scare me. I guess a child, they probably would have. I don't know about you guys.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that, would be definitely one of the fears of the child.
2: But like paranormal uh, and psychological are definitely. They make. They're just scarier. More.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah. Definitely are, are more scary. Yeah. are we all. Yeah, I was going to say some of the negative reviews on it. Um, Mm. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that it was anticlimactic or, well, Mm. not a lot of people because it was still 82%. But looking at, like, the top critics, the ones that rated it rotten, um, were saying that, like, it was great. Like, Stanley Kubrick did a great job, but it was, like, unscary and... Mm. And, and like didn't they didn't feel like it was that well of a, one person said that it's the first pompous haunted house movie <laughs> um huh. yeah saying that it was bizarrely heavy handed yeah yeah wow well, I don't know they right. saying that Kubrick really... being the master of visual images right and they had brilliant scenes but it was but the, but the suspense was anticlimactic and Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall seemed overextended in trying to maintain the terror.
0: Hmm.
2: That's interesting. Yeah, cool. and these are all reviews from yeah, like top critics for like actual news. Oh, okay. Yeah, huh. you know. but most of the, most of the time they're like right. rot They're not rotten. They're fresh, like a masterpiece. Yeah, fresh. Very right. simple. Just the, the whole thing. It just says it's a masterpiece. Five out of five. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's mostly the ones that I've heard about this movie are positive
1: reviews. Yeah, and that's normally what people see too. When you look up reviews for a show, you'd see the positives first. Yeah. Or just because that's how they they'd want you to see right. it anyway. You want to see the positives. Right.
2: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a rotten review says, "I fear all work and no play has made Stanley a doll boy." <laughs> so
1: oh, rotten okay, score yeah. from two thousand five.
0: <laughs> oh boy, that's that's a pretty good one.
1: Yeah. At least they used a lot of movie.
2: I didn't really feel a lot of this is mentioning the suspense, not being there, mm-hmm. but I felt like it kind of mm-hmm. was like the whole yeah, time. I mean, for me, I think that
0: the whole movie is suspenseful. Even I the, mean, there's so many yeah. great scenes of suspense of. Halloran trying to make it there in time. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, just being in the hotel is all suspenseful. You never know what's going to be around the corner of the way. I mean, uh, it's a lot of suspense here. Chase scenes, I mean, uh, I think it's an extremely suspenseful movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Copious Content. Go give The Shining a watch. This is just our opinion, so what's yours?